Bring it in. Read option back here on a beautiful Monday, Tuesday, whatever day. I guess it's Monday for us recording, but uh, Tuesday is the time you're all listening. Welcome in to the read option. Uh, flying solo today. Uh, Scotty and Vito got some big things going on, which is fine. Uh, they're busy, as we always know. And this is going to be a crazy pod. Uh, this is going to be a golf pod. We're breaking down the Open Championship because deceptively on the surface, Cam Smith wins the Open. Unbelievable back nine, the whole story, and we'll get into all that. But there's a lot more to it than just that. So uh, sneakily, there's a lot of tentacles that kind of come out of this one major championship. In addition to it being an absolutely historic championship in the 150th Open at you know, and also at St. Andrews. So we'll get into a lot of that stuff. A um, little bit of news and notes here and just some cleanup stuff for the program as a whole. I'm sure you guys have noticed we've been mainly kind of doing one a week. Um, we're going to try to put out two a week. This time of year is really busy. Uh, I myself am incredibly busy. I believe this should be the last week where it's either only one maybe two. I'm hoping starting next week, uh, now that Vito's kind of settled back in, uh, that we'll be able to start just ripping through two pods a week as per usual. It's been about a month now of either one pod or, you know, taking a week off. So they've been a little few and far between. And I know that. And, uh, you know, we did a really good job for about a year straight of just sticking to our Tuesday, Friday, schedule and we will get back to that as we ramp towards football season uh speaking about or speaking of football season next week we're going to start our previews both for college and nfl right uh sick and tired of of talking about conference realignment talking about nil talking about all the crap that we talk about in the offseason of college football we're going to break down the conferences we're going to break down uh our favorites as we still have five power five conferences um we're going to get into all that. So we're going to hit that. And we're also going to start doing uh, AFC slash NFC East, AFC slash NFC West, AFC slash NFC North. You guys get the picture. We're going to start doing that one an episode, uh, hopefully starting here in the next couple of weeks, as there are teams that uh, have already sent their rookies to training camp. Uh, I believe we're up to nine, almost 10 teams in the NFL who rookies reported to training camp already. So before you know it, the NFL is going to be here. The Hall of Fame game is going to be here. Hard Knocks is going to be coming around, and we're going to be getting the football bug, which we can use because after the Open Championship and the Home Run Derby, there's not really much left, and it's hard to even really consider the Home Run Derby a uh, major sporting event. So that's kind of what the next, I'd say, two months look like. Maybe not even two months, five weeks, five to seven weeks before the NFL comes back. And uh, before college football comes back, just jumping headfirst into it, we're going to get a fantasy pod in there at some point as well to get everybody ready for their drafts. We'll remind you guys of all the free agency acquisitions and all that crazy stuff as well, because these rosters have changed and there's going to be a whole lot of fun stuff to talk about. So housekeeping over, let's get into the Open Championship, all right? First and foremost, congratulations to Cam Smith. 
Um, what an unreal back nine. Dude shoots a 30 on the back nine, starts off with five straight birdies, and then hits one of the most clutch putts on what is widely considered to be the hardest par four in all of golf, the 17th at St. Andrews. It was just a flat-out unbelievable performance by Cam Smith. And he out—he can't even say he outdueled. He outperformed Rory. And a lot of people, golf hardos, really diehard golf fans, um, you know, they, they looked at this whole Rory thing, and they, they, there's been a lot of Rory apologists, you know, and there's also been a lot of people on the opposite side, especially on Sunday, who said that Rory choked, Rory blew it, Rory had this thing. Rory didn't choke, Rory didn't blow anything. Rory shot a two under 70 on a really difficult golf course. Now, granted, with no wind and no bad weather and perfect conditions, that course, she, Rory should have shot lower, right? But he did what he was supposed to do. He had a four-stroke lead. If you had told me that Rory would have had two additional strokes going into it, I would have told you Rory wins the Open. Probably comfortably. Uh, in the history of the British Open, no one had ever come back from four stroke from a four-stroke deficit on the last day on Sunday to win the Open. In 150 years, Cam Smith, first one to ever do that. Rory started at 16-under, Cam Smith at 12-under. However, where the criticisms are fair for Rory is Rory had 36 putts. He had to two-putt every single hole. And when you don't make big putts, right, the two birdies he had came on par fives when he was able to get to the green in two and two putt. And next thing you know, he's tapping in for a birdie. Cam Smith, on the other hand, I believe had less than half the amount of putt. I think or I think it was or 19 putts, I think. I mean, he one putted an absolutely absurd amount, including just some I keep going I, my, in my brain. I keep going back to the putt on 17th because that's when he won the tournament. Um, and this is all coming after a day where Cam Smith shot at 73 the day before on Saturday, took himself seemingly out of the race for the open championship only to pull out a 64 tied for the second lowest round final round to win um, uh, the, the open in the history of the open, which again, goes back 150 years. So, for Cam Smith to, to put on the, the absolute putting clinic that he did at a really difficult place to putt says a lot. And that's why I can't fault Rory. And, and, and I'm not going to sit here and say, look, Rory should have made putts. Rory should have knocked down, especially on number three, he had an eight-foot putt for birdie, should have knocked that down. He knocks that down, we're looking at a playoff, right? And that's the third hole. That's before Cam Smith even was in the conversation really outside of he was in the second to last group he had a couple of big putts rory's putt on 17 for birdie which a buddy a birdie putt on 17 is insane he missed it by an inch and it just it never quite got hot to the point where it was like okay rory can win this everything else was fine he was good off the tee even his miss hits he still ended up in pretty good situations his ball striking all day was fantastic but unfortunately some things just don't work out and i think going into this final round and this is like one of the first little tentacles that i was talking about kind of comes into play is 
Rory, this was all set up for Rory, right? And if anybody other than Rory McIlroy is the one who's leading and in, in that final group with Victor Hovland, if it had been Victor Hovland and Kevin Kisner or Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler even, we are talking about Cam Smith was one of the greatest performances in the history of open golf. We're talking about Cam Smith's five consecutive birdies and 30 on the back nine as one of the all-time runs at the 150th Open at St. Andrews. But it wasn't Scotty Scheffler paired up with Victor Hoffman. It wasn't Kevin Kistner. It wasn't Jordan Spieth even. It was Rory. And Rory has taken on this mantle in the craziness of where professional golf is right now with the live tour and the back and forth and Tiger showing his age, not just in this tournament, but the health stuff and everything going on. Rory has always had a different feel. When, when Spieth went on his run in 2015, 2016, it wasn't even close to what the magnitude around Rory McIlroy is. And I saw it firsthand. I, I watched Rory warm up. I, his practice ball and tee are right here. I'm literally holding it in my hand. You would have thought that, you know, Albert Pujols or, or Babe Ruth or Mike, you know, like I was holding a baseball from one of them. Like that's, he holds such rarefied air on the PGA Tour. And he also hasn't won a major since 2014. And the people who have been riding hard with Rory, who've loved Rory this whole time, they want to get off this roller coaster, man. They don't want to keep doing this. They want Rory to break through so freaking badly. This is a kid who was a, a prodigy. He was supposed to be the next Tiger, even though we know that it's impossible for anybody to be the next Tiger. And Rory, at least in the beginning of his career, kind of lived up to the hype. Four majors in, I think it was three years. Young kid, the curly hair. He's got the Nike sponsorship. He can hit the ball a mile despite the fact that he's only like five, six. I mean, everything about Rory, golf fans fell in love with because it was the first time, similar to Jordan to LeBron, when Tiger wasn't Tiger anymore, but there's this young phenom. And is it possible for him to live up to the hype that he showed at such an early age? And I think people fell in love with him so hard because they needed somebody to fall in love with after everything with Tiger in the, in the, the, the first real fall from grace with Tiger that everybody latched on to Roy and everybody wanted him to be the guy. Right. And now he, he's the Prince of the PGA tour. And that's, that's coming not just from the years of people wanting to see him win for, for the years of, of support and love and, and wanting him to see a major, but that's because of now the impact that live golf has on the rest of professional golf, in particular the PGA Tour. And so in this year that has been so screwed up and weird in professional golf that has still seen four fantastic majors, Scotty Scheffler winning the Masters, Justin Thomas winning the PGA, coming back and getting into the playoff with, with Will Zalatoris, Matthew Fitzpatrick hitting a 150-yard bunker shot to 10 feet and then Wills Altoris again missing a putt by an inch on 18 to hoe in the U.S. Open to now this was going to be the seminal moment where Scotty Scheffler PGA Tour guy Justin Thomas PGA Tour guy Matt Fitzpatrick PGA Tour guy all three of those guys have spoken out and their dedication to the PGA Tour and Rory 
was going to be, it was the crowning moment of this year. A moment that could have theoretically not put a nail in any sort of coffin, maybe the first nail, maybe a perceived nail from, from the golf viewing public, but it would have been such an incredible moment for PGA Tour fans, for the people who are not fans of the Live Tour Golf, the, for, the, for the people who have, had, who have wanted to turn a blind eye but have now been forced to pay attention to Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson and Abraham Anser and all these guys who've left the tour to go grab a bag, Bryson DeChambeau. It's forced us to pay attention to them. And this would have been such a great fuck you. It really, it just would have been absolutely perfect. The 150th over at St. Andrews. Rory hasn't win, won a major in eight years. Tiger's there. Tiger and him give the tap. You know, Tory's, Rory's on the first tee box watching Tiger do his final walk. And we'll get into Tiger stuff in a little bit. But everything about this was set up so storybook. And Rory didn't even play bad. He needed two putts. He needed two putts to go in. And there were multiple opportunities and they didn't fall. And on top of it, it wasn't just two putts he needed. He subsequently needed, in order to lose this, a miraculous performance from arguably the best putter in the world in Cam Smith. Because when Cam Smith's putter gets hot, he is undoubtedly a top three, if not the number one putter in the world. He is that good for people who aren't that familiar with Cam Smith. And for the record here too, I just want to say, I like Cam Smith. I like Cam Smith a lot, but to tell you how obscene this is, how obscene this whole, the fact that Rory even lost this tournament, despite the fact that he hit every single green in regulation, this is a true stat. Okay. This is from Justin Ray Golf. If you don't follow him, he's the like best golf stat guy out there. He also does some writing for The Athletic. He's fantastic. He goes, as far back as stats go in golf, Rory McIlroy is the only player to hold the 54-hole lead at a major, hit every green in regulation in the final round, and not win. There's nothing like that. That is everything that encapsulates everything about how crazy that day was. Rory held the lead, was the leader after the first day. Was it in the top? I think he was second or third, second day, was the, tied for the lead going into Sunday. And the thing is, too, man, he, Rory kept saying all week, and it became kind of a joke, right? You know, oh, he's like, I want to play boring golf this week, right? Which is just hit a good shot, hit a sensible shot. When you have your opportunities on the drivable par fours and the drivable par fives, when you can get birdies to attack there. And that's what he did. He just ended up one or two putts short. And I, for the love of me and, and for my love of Rory as well, one of my favorite players on the tour, it just sucked. And it sucked even more, and this is where bringing up the live thing is actually valid here because 
I don't think Cam Jordan had as much as poured a beer into the Claret jug before the rumors of Liv already started coming out, saying, you know, reports that his camp had been in talks with them already. He was asked about it at his press conference. He was very quick to deny it, very much like Brooks Kepka was at the U.S. Open. Very quick to just put it aside, say, oh, my, my team will make that decision for me. Your team's going to make the decision for you? Bro, it's your decision. And then it comes out today that there's reportedly $110 million is the offer to Cam Smith, which if I'm Cam Smith, that number needs to be higher because you just won the Players' Championship this year as well as the Open Championship. So Cam Smith value is significantly higher than whatever that $110 million offer is reportedly. This has a chance to go so sideways from what seemed inevitable six holes into that round on Sunday, which is Rory, you know, Victor Hovland bogeys the hole. Rory birdies. Next thing you know, Rory's got a two-shot lead. He's at 17 under. Victor Hovland's at 15 under. And they're going into the seventh hole. And you're thinking, man, like, Rory's going to win this. And this might be a little bit boring, but it's not. It, the, the pageantry of it all will be so amazing at the end, right? And again, all that stuff I just waxed poetic about, about, you know, the PGA Tour and, and the Prince of it and all these winners who were PGA Tour guys. If Cam Smith goes to live after this, there's a couple of important keys to pay attention to. Winning the Open gives you an exemption for five years into the majors, right? So this whole back and forth of, well, would the majors not let live tour players play? Well, I don't think at this point they would do that, right? That's going to be a whole nother kind of can of worms, especially since Cam Smith has the exemption in there. So they would have to strip him of his exemptions, which they're not going to do. So already that part, that, that, that conversation is moot now. Again, this is all hypothetically if Cam Smith were to go to the live tour. In addition to that, if he goes and the other big name that has been floated around here over the last couple days is Hideki Matsuyama. If those two guys go over there, we are now, it, it goes from being impossible to ignore to you now have to almost respect at least the product of what the live tour is. Because, yeah, Dustin Johnson's not in his prime. Yeah, Phil Mickelson's not in his prime. Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter, all those guys are past their prime. Brooks probably past his prime. You have Bryson, but no one really likes Bryson. Some people like Bryson. He's kind of a polarizing figure as it is. He hasn't been healthy much, and I can't imagine his career is going to last long. But he also sneakily finished tied for eighth in, this, in, the, in the British Open this year, right? So you add Hideki, you add Cam Smith at 27 years old. You're adding the Masters champion from 2021 and internationally beloved, particularly in Japan, where he's like one of the top five most famous people in the country of Japan. But you're also adding a young budding star who has won the Players' Championship, the fifth major, and has now won the Open Championship. He would be the first good, young, competitive guy. Like, I think most PGA, fan, PGA Tour fans were like, cool, Bryson wants to go, that's fine. Even though Bryson is still pretty young, 
And yes, he brings a bunch of stuff to the table with the long drive. And, and even though I personally can't stand him, a lot of people like Bryson and like to watch Bryson, at least. I still think most PGA Tour fans were like, that's OK. Like Bryson can go, especially this year with how hurt and injured and how little he's actually been able to play. Cam Smith goes, that hurts. Cam Smith won the Champions Tournament back in uh, February, the one that's out in Hawaii at 33 under par. Uh, he won the players. He's won three times on tour. Well, once technically on tour and then two other ones because the Champions is, is a PGA tournament. So I guess twice on tour with the players and that, and then one of the major. I, it, it would be a massive blow. And, and more concerningly, it, it makes it easier. Every good big-name player – who leaves the PGA tour for the live tour adds more. It makes it easier for the next guy to go. Right. It's a, it's a human thing, right? There's been psychological studies done where, you know, there's one person who sits in a room, like a, a, a fake room basically. And everyone else who's sitting in this like doctor's office, like waiting room, they're all sitting there and then they start to feed smoke under the door. And that one person sitting there is completely their decision becomes based on what everyone else does around them. In one scenario, everyone there acts like nothing happened, right? Smoke coming on the door, nothing's going on. That's fine. And then that person, the, the person in the study actually stays like they sit in the room and they stay in the other situation, everyone in the room starts to panic. And then that person who they're doing the study on panics, right? Or, you know, that variable person in this, in this study. So we, by nature, will do things in what is called the mob mentality. So if one person goes, it makes it easier for the next person, which makes it easier for the next person, and the next person, and the next person, until eventually, now we're sitting here, and a bunch of young stars who should be playing on the PGA Tour, and this, this dearth of talent, this deep field of young guys in their mid to early twenties who are tearing up golf courses are no longer all going to be on the same tour not going to be a part of the same product, which is inherently a terrible thing for golf fans. Because what's happening now is the more people that go and play on live, even though it's validating it more, it's making both of them like, yeah, is it, marginally making the live tour better more entertaining and more interesting to watch sure but it's also hurting the other product so you're cutting off your nose to spite your face right like you're you're not getting anything by evening out how many good players are on each tour what you want is to have one tour where all the best players can fucking play on and the problem is the pga tour is essentially bringing history and tradition and and the romanticism of golf to a untapped billionaire fight <laughs> like there will be guys like rory like jt who and scotty scheffler and colin morkow and all these great dudes who have made a bunch of money and are going to continue to make a bunch of money on the pga tour but there's going to be more young guys who also jump over and I get that this is all contingent on Cam Smith actually doing it. But I've seen a lot of buzz about it. And now I don't have the connections into the golf world that I do in football that I can actually ask people like, hey, what are you hearing? But from the people that I trust and the people who know their shit in the golf world, 
it seems like it's at least a 50-50 shot, if not potentially higher, especially if that number goes up. And to me, if you're a golf fan, this sucks. It sucks that we could go from the high potential of Rory McIlroy being the prince of the PGA Tour and winning this massive tournament to how the narrative could completely shift because Cam Smith winning the Open has now given him so much more bargaining power. It's given him more opportunity and more leverage to go to the Saudi prince or whoever the hell is actually funding this fucking thing, whoever's the, the point of contact for the Live Tour, or it's Greg Norman or whoever, and say, no, I want $110 million. I want a three, and then we can talk. And he can say, hey, I won the Players' Championship. I won the Open. I'm the number two player in the world right now. I just shot a 64 at St. Andrews to win the fucking Open. That's a lot of leverage. And on top of it, too, he's leveraging against the bank that has no limit, that has unlimited resources and unlimited amounts of money. You don't think they'll pay him whatever he, he wants? They'll absolutely do it if it means that they can take him from the PGA Tour, especially Greg Norman, the spiteful all-time fucking loser of golf. And it sucks. It sucks that we're at this point. And I'm happy for Cam Smith because I objectively really like Cam Smith. And I really hope he decides to stay on the PGA Tour. I mean, can you imagine a world where Cam Smith, the reigning Players Champion, can't play at the Players Championship next year because he's on the Live Tour. He's playing Saudi golf. He's playing somewhere in fucking Ireland, you know, for a $4 million purse. That's not good for golf. Or does that force the PGA Tour to come up with some sort of, you know, like a like a like a family that with two parents who definitely want to get divorced or definitely should get divorced, but they stay together for their kids? Is that the kind of thing we're we're going to be in where it's just this forced business partnership where they just have to figure out a way to make it work, and both leagues end up suffering from? It? Because keep in mind here. The Saudis don't give a shit, okay? Their league, they don't care. They, they don't care about building some legacy. It's going to take hundreds of, it's going to take over 100 years to match any sort of actual history and prestige and respect that the PGA Tour has. This isn't better for golf. It's better for the golfers who want, instead of making X amount of money, to be making Y amount of money. That's the only thing it's better for. It's not helping the fans. It's not helping the game. It's hurting the game. What would be helping the game is having the PGA Tour be as loaded as it was this time last year. And instead, it's not. And it's forcing the PGA Tour, which I agree could have absolutely taken some of the suggestions that Phil Mickelson had asked for over the last few years before he ultimately defected and went over to the live golf tour. All of those things are valid. They could have done that and they should have, but now they're going to have to funnel so much money to the stop top stars on the PGA tour. What's that going to mean for the bottom run guys? Like Ricky Fowler's in jeopardy of getting booted off of the PGA tour. The top 125s make the FedEx cut, right? They're the ones that make 
that, that can stay in. Ricky Fowler is 129. Ricky Fowler has to profile. And talk about a massive name. And a guy who could absolutely use that Saudi money and is probably not winning on the tour anytime soon. But his two best friends, since they were basically teenagers, are Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. So is Ricky just going to give a massive fuck you to those guys? Probably not. Probably not. But he might. And that's why the whole thing is, is fucked up. And it's crazy to me that that one round of Sunday could have as many reaches out into what the future of golf ends up looking like as it does. And right now, this decision kind of gets put into Cam Smith's corner right now. It's going to be fascinating to see. All right, we'll come back. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about here. I want to touch on the Tiger Woods stuff. Uh, obviously, disappointment for him. All that on the other side. All right, last thing I'm going to bring up here about the live tour stuff, I promise. Uh, I did find it both hilarious and very interesting that uh, didn't see much of Phil on the broadcast. Didn't see a whole lot of Brooks Kepka on the broadcast. And in fact, the only live guys that you saw at all, even DeShambo, who was still somewhat in the mix, uh, even though he really wasn't going in, you know, after, you know, on, in the round on Saturday. But the guys who were in contention, and even still, NBC fought damn hard to make sure that we didn't see much of DJ or Abraham answer. So the pettiness is, is going all the way up to the TV partnerships. Uh, and that was extended even further today uh, when David Faraday, who you'll know him, he's got the very distinct British Scottish accent. I don't know exactly what, where David Faraday's from, um, but you'd recognize his voice instantly. Um, he is now going over to the Saudi golf league to be one of their commentators which sucks a lot because I liked it. I liked David Faraday, but not as much a fan anymore. Uh, let's talk about Tiger Woods. Tiger going into this, the, and this is going to be the case forever, okay? And there's a bigger picture and bigger point to this, but we're going to start out here just on the micro level. Every single time we see Tiger Woods from now on, we have to appreciate it. We just have to. Um, there was a quote he gave to keep in mind as to what this dude is putting his body through just to get out and play golf. Uh, somebody asked him, you know, 2008, the famous U S open, he's playing on a broken leg, a fractured leg that he broke on the front nine of his, uh, on the front nine of his final round at the U S open and proceeded to not only finish it out uh, and not only get to a tiebreaker, which the, the, the tiebreaker is not like it is now uh, where it's a three hole aggregate score. It is a, was a full 18 hole round the next day against Rocco media. Tiger was, did all of that on a snapped leg and won the USO hitting out of the thickest rough you'll ever see. Uh, one of the most unbelievable at Torrey Pines, one of the most unbelievable moments in golf history. Imagine playing essentially 
about 30 holes of golf at the highest level, swinging through rough that's like hitting a swinging a, a, a club through water to get through at the speed of which he was doing it and still winning the U.S. Open. The amount of pain that your body is going through during that. Somebody asked him if this is comparable, right? Is, is how he's feeling now worse or better or easier than that? And he said, no question, what he's going through right now to play is worse, hurts more, is more difficult. And by the way, he's, uh, what, 14 years older. So he's 42, 40, oh no, he's 46 now. So he was 32 then. Um, that's, that's a hell of a grind to put on your body. Uh, for a dude who, again, is still only a year and a half removed from a traumatic car accident. We do have to, as people who, who love golf, appreciate what Tiger does. And even when he comes out and kind of shits the bed like he did this week or this past week, um, you still got to love every moment of it. I, I can tell you now, I had the main broadcast on the TV. I had my laptop set up on the Tiger feed. And I, I watched it on the open website, the featured groups, and I just watched Tiger. Because you just never know. And it's very similar with how I'm going to be with LeBron over the next couple of years, too. I'm going to try to watch every LeBron game that I can. And hopefully there are playoff games. Because when greatness comes and goes, all-time greats. We're talking about not just like, oh, this guy's a Hall of Famer. We're talking about like the next tier above a Hall of Famer, which is like all, all-time greats. You have to watch and appreciate it. I'm going to watch as many Bucks games this year for the same exact reason with Tom Brady. That being said, we also should do a better job as golf fans of not doing what we will inevitably end up doing anyway, which is thinking that Tiger is going to pull off 2019 again. The 2019 Masters will go down outside of one of my teams winning a championship as probably my favorite and most incredible sporting event I've ever watched. The Eagles winning a Super Bowl, nothing's stopping that. The 08 Phillies, that's up there. Villanova buzzer beater, both championships for Villanova. Those are like the top four for me. But I would even say like the, the 2019 Tiger might be ahead of the second Villanova championship. On, honest to God, like that's how much I loved that moment. And everybody in the sports world moment I loved it. it, it it's uncomparable. However, what we've done now, we did it at Augusta this year, right? Especially post-car accident. We did it at the PGA Championship this year when he made the cut. And we did it heading into St. Andrews is that we, we keep wanting a moment and we keep chasing a feeling that we got watching Tiger, not only for all those years we did leading up to it, but for 2019. This dude who you could never count out, despite the amount of times he was counted out before 2019. We never wanted to count this guy out. We want to hold on to this belief that Tiger Woods can go out there and can play unbelievable golf and can somehow find his way to win it. If you go back and watch the 2019 Masters, especially that last round, the amount of shit that needed to happen, Brooks hitting it into the water on 12, French uh, Molinari hitting it into the water on 12, right? Uh, all of those moments, there were so many little things. And then Tiger just hit a couple of big shots when he needed to most. And we're all chasing that day, that Sunday 
at Augusta again. And this was a very similar feeling, which is it's the 150th open. It's St. Andrews. Tiger got there. Justin Thomas is talking about, man, Tiger, Tiger's looking really good. Played 58 practice holes, 58 practice holes. We're thinking, oh, Tiger, Tiger can win this, right? We all fall into the trap. And I'm not going to say don't. It's more of let's collectively, instead of thinking he's going to win it, let's just appreciate the fact that when he does make a cut at one of these majors, because a lot of people kept speculating like, oh, is this, this going to be the last time we ever see Tiger, you know, maybe at St. Andrews, at least playing at a highly competitive level, like someone who it's like, oh, maybe he could make the cut and be in the mix. I mean, who knows? He could always go on a run. I mean, hell, Phil won, you know, a major at 50 and Tiger's body's gone through a lot worse. But assuming he's able to get to a point four or five years from now where his leg is fully healed and, and, and he feels a little bit more normal and he's not doing everything with his upper body. Because right now, that's what he's doing. Every He's had to change his swing, so that way everything he's hitting with is his upper body, which for weekend golfers and people like ourselves, don't do. Use your lower body. Um, he's Tiger Woods. He's the greatest golfer of all time. He knows what he's doing. But he had built up the top half of his body while he couldn't really walk, so that way he could come back, and once he could physically just walk, he wouldn't have to use the lower body to generate the same amount of power, um, and there will be a time when he'll be able to start to use those legs again. And we're still probably two years away from that happening. And until then, when we see him next year at Augusta with some more rest and some more rehab and hopefully getting stronger and healthier. And when we do see him, you know, next year at the U S open and the PGA and the open championship, assuming he comes back and plays those events, Let's be thankful that we get a chance to do it. And am I going to sprinkle $2 or $5 on him to win? You bet. <laughs> it's Tiger Woods. Of course I'm going to. But I think you can do both. I think you can hold on to the hope of, man, I really want to see 2019 happen again. And also just be thankful that we get a chance to watch it. Because we'll never be able to fully count him out. You can't do that with Tiger. He's, he's proven us his entire career that you can't do that with Tiger. And that's what's so amazing about it. But hypothetically, let's say he never does win another major. Let's say he never does. 2019 never happens again, which it probably won't. Let's just be happy that we get a chance to watch him still. If, if you're a big Tiger fan, if you're a big golf fan, but to me, it's a dude who who hit that level of so he was the most famous athlete in the world after Michael Jordan. It was Jordan, and then it went to Tiger, and then it went to LeBron. And yet Tiger still draws people in a way that you'll never see. And watching him sprint across that bridge, which by the way, shout out to Max Homa and Matt Fitzpatrick for waiting back and it was really cool of them in the moment to let tiger have that moment um crossing that bridge walking up the 18th fairway rory giving him the tip of the cap from from the first tee box which a lot of golf writers uh they they were rather excited about but then to see him get emotional and to literally start like tearing up uh I think that set off alarms to a lot of people about how long is he ever going to be able to do this? 
And I, I really hope that it's longer than what that makes it seem like that might be wishful thinking um, or could just other people being too worried. Um, I think Tiger knows that this was his last miracle type chance, you know, cause it's more than likely it's going to be probably five years. Cause the San, it's at St. Andrews every five years. They changed it for this year because it was the 150th and they wanted to have the 150th at St. Andrews. So it's probably going to be five years. Tiger will most likely be 51, 52 years old. He's probably not going to win the open. It's not possible. Darren Clark won it over 50, right? You never know. But I think Tiger, as much as anything, how do you not feel emotion, support, everything you've gone through, and then to be at the home of golf, a place that Tiger has openly said is his favorite golf course in the world. And you're there, and it's a culmination of everything that he's gone through and everything he's accomplished and everything that matters to him. And, and, and he's coming up on 18. I mean, I, I got teary eyed watching it. And even I would think whether it's his last time playing there or not, I can't ever imagine any human as much of a robot as Tiger Woods has been throughout parts of his career. I can't imagine anybody not getting insanely emotional in that moment. And it was a really cool thing. I thought it was really cool seeing Tiger show that and and he's shown more of that side of him as he's gotten older but i thought it was really special um and that also kind of fed into the whole rory stuff too right you know the passing of the torch as it were at the 150th open championship and the birthplace of golf you know golf course that's hundreds of years old um old tom morris's ghost is hanging around there somewhere <laughs> it's just uh ah uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. And I hope for Tiger that he gets to a point where he can compete again. But I also hope that whenever he chooses to leave, he leaves. And he'll keep playing the Masters till he can't, just like Jack did, just like Arnold did, just like Tom Watson did, just like all Gary Player, just like all the greats do. You play it until you can't. And hopefully for the Open, he'll be able to do the same thing. Because any golf tournament Tiger Woods wants to get in, he will be allowed. There will be rules twisted, broken, bent to make sure that that happens. Um, last thing here, I do want to talk about just some of the other people that we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about in the tournament as a whole. Uh, Cam Young, second top five finish at a major. Dude's a rookie on the PGA Tour. He can smash the ball. Uh, that eagle putt on 18 no bullshit. He won $550,000 extra dollars by sinking that eagle putt. Uh, and because Rory also had to go for the chip in on his round uh, when he was closing up 18, if Rory, you know, if Rory was one shot back going into 18, Rory birdies that hole. Maybe, maybe not guaranteed, but that was playing as the easiest hole in the course was 18. So Rory more than likely was going to birdie 18 uh, and he would have tied Cam Young, but because Cam Smith was two strokes up on Rory, Rory had to try to chip it in on 18 to, to force a playoff. And instead uh, he ends up making par in two putts and that caught, and not that Rory needs it, but it helped the rookie win an extra $550,000. So thought that was hilarious. Um, 
saw a bunch of really fun names on the leaderboard just as a whole. Guys I've always really liked. Tommy Fleetwood, first top five finish in a major for him, and I think it was about four or four years. Um, three years. It was the 2019 Open that Shane Lowry won, uh, and Tommy Fleetwood was the runner up there. I love Tommy Fleetwood, um, and not just because people yell Tommy Fleetwood at me when I'm on a golf course. That has happened. Um, I just I, I'm a big fan of his, and it was cool seeing him back up. The Victor Hovland, young. I mean, look, this was an awesome moment for Vic. You know, he's in the final pairing. He didn't play well. You know, he shoots two over. There's two over seventy four on eight on uh, Sunday at the Open. But this is his best finish, for, you know, uh, on the tour. He's still young. I think he's 24, 25. Uh, he was national champion golfer at Oklahoma State. He's won the U.S. Amateur before. He's been in big moments. But this is the first time in a moment like this. And with how crazy the crowd was there in support of Rory, I mean, there was nothing he was going to be able to do. I, I think it would have just been too, too difficult for him to have ever really gotten a chance to, to get into contentions. But this is something that he has, and if he can ever get the damn chipping under control, uh, Victor Hovland will be really good. Uh, and, and I expect him to have multiple years and multiple runs like this uh, because the way he can – his ball striking, his putting, especially when it's on, uh, he can drive the shit out of the ball. It's just the stuff around the green for him. His around, his around the green numbers aren't great, but his putting, he seems to have really gotten figured out. And the ball striking and driving has always kind of been there for him. So I expect m multiple moments like this and probably a major two in his future as well. Uh, Brian Harmon, a lot of people were down on this uh, or down on him. He's a likable dude, but I get it. He's not like he's the left-handed Kevin Kisner, right? Neither one of them drive the ball really well, but they both hit, both strike the ball really well. And they both are really good putters. Um, Kiz also finished uh, nine under, which I think was tied, tied 21, T21, which is great. So shout out to Brian Harmon. DJ tied for six. Um, and Bryson, two live tour guys finished T6, T8. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay. Cantlay is one of those dudes. I mean, you obviously won the FedEx Cup last year. Um, he is not for as good as he's been, and for as many times as he's won on tour, he does not have a defining moment as a PGA tour, as a professional golfer. I mean, obviously, winning the FedEx Cup is worth a lot, uh, particularly in the bank account. But in terms of like winning majors, he's still, he, he's never had a big moment. And not that he's an old or past, you know, unable to do it now by any means. It's just, He's kind of he needs that. That's kind of the next step for him is he needs a big moment like that uh, at a major. Spieth was nice to see him. Um, just a couple of small mistakes. I mean, he could have gotten into that top four, top five range. A um, couple of bad putts on Sunday, but it's nice seeing Rory and and JT and Spieth and these guys who we thought were going to be supplanted by the Morikawas, you know, and and the Cam Smiths. Um, and the really young guys, even, you know, Tony Finau to a certain extent, Sam Burns, uh, all, the, all that young gen generation of, of golfers who we thought like, oh, you know, are Jordan and Rory and JT, are they going to be able to hang? They can hang. Uh, we just saw JT win the, you know, PGA Championship. Uh, and Jordan, obviously we saw Rory here too. There's going to be more majors. I, I'd be curious though, if, if you were to said an over-under as to how many more majors those three guys win combined, 
I think Rory's got I would probably sit Rory's over under at, at God, I want to say two and a half, but it probably would be one and a half. Um, but let's say it is two for Rory, probably two for JT, maybe one and a half, two. I mean, I, I would set their probably collective major championships for the next 10 years or for the rest of their careers, probably at like five and a half. I don't know. Be an interesting question. Um, other than that, you know, Tyrrell Hatton is another name that's been floating around the, uh, the live tour. Um, he had a couple, he was played really well on Thursday and Friday and then kind of fell off a little bit, uh, shot a 66 on Friday. Uh, Xander Shoffley, another great major performance, um, finishes a 10 under tied for 15th. He's another dude that needs to crack through, man. I mean, he's finished top five at all four majors. Um, He's getting a little too close to that always the bride's way, always the bridesmaid, never the bride territory. And uh, I definitely don't want that for Xander because I'm a fan of his as well. And um, he's got the gold medal, though. There's only two golfers in the world who can say they have an Olympic gold medal, medal and it's Justin Rose and Xander Shoffley. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's a lot of like, – look, Exal Torres had a nice day. Uh, Scotty Scheffler kind of fell off. On Sunday, Tony Finau had a late charge, even though he didn't play great all week. He shot 66 on Sunday. Um, the one young name that we I've, I've brought up a bunch is Thagala. I always fuck up his first name, but Sahith Thagala. Um, that dude is going to be good for a long time. He is he, he's about 24 years old. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his, so keep an eye out for him. Um, look, as a whole, the Open was great. But as someone who was fully invested in the Rory storyline, um, you can't feel like coming out the other side that you're not just a little bit disappointed. And that sucks. But Cam Smith, at the end of the day, you shoot a 64 on Sunday at a major, you deserve to win. And ultimately, he did. And I don't think Rory lost it. He just didn't do enough to win. And that might sound like a dumb Sentence, you might say, oh, that's just semantics. I would say I think that's a pretty accurate description. There's a difference between losing something and not doing enough to win it. And I think that's what happened on, on Sunday. So congrats to Cam Smith. Fuck you to live tour. And we'll be back later in the week. Football season, golf, the majors are over. Probably not going to be talking about golf again unless there's more live news for a while. Uh, we might touch on the FedEx Cup and the FedEx Championship and all that stuff as we get there. But for now, we're switching gears and we're talking ball. Can't wait. Love you guys as always. Scotty and or Vito will be with me hopefully later this week. And uh, we will talk to you either then or next week as we get ready for football. Football's back. Take it easy, everybody.